Welcome to Mind Love, episode 182. Today's episode is all about mediumship and afterlife connections. Setting the intention to be aware of your thoughts and your experiences, your feelings, and noticing what is going on within you and around you. So it's really turning up the awareness. Oh, I just got a little dizzy. Was that a spirit who just stepped in? Or, oh, I just heard that thought, but there was no reason for me to think that. Who said that? It's a constant awareness of the thoughts and the feelings. Anything that is not resonant with love, I notice that and change it immediately. I'm driven to increase my clarity. So I am constantly saying, oh, that'll help my readings or, oh, that's what makes a difference when I connect with spirit. So it's really a commitment to your soul's growth. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hello, love. If you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to hit that little button. Subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews are the best way to give back if you find the show helpful. They help the show grow, which helps me get even better guests. Today, I'd love to share a review from Caitlin from Canada. She says, healing every time I tune in. Thank you, Melissa. Finding you has contributed to my healing journey more than you'll ever know. I resonate so much with your story on more levels than I can even fathom. Thank you for your honesty, insight, and consistent content filled with healing life hacks. You make me feel like I'm not alone, and every time I tune in, I feel stronger and in alignment. Your words are healing a girl from a small town in northern BC, Canada. Thank you again. Oh, I cannot tell you how much I loved this review. It gave me the chills all over, and I'm just so grateful to have listeners like you. And now let's cross over to the other side. We are all energy, right? And energy never dies. The first law of thermodynamics states that energy is always conserved and it cannot be created or destroyed. So the total amount of energy and matter in the universe remains constant. It just changes from one form to another. So if that's the case, what happens to our energy when our bodies die? If it transforms, what form does it take and where does it go? These questions have always fascinated me. And actually, it seems to be a topic that fascinates all of us. Humans have always been on a quest to figure out what happens when we die. So we look to people who have somehow found a way to lift the veil between the real world and the spiritual world, like people who have had near-death experiences or people who remember their past lives or people who see or hear or feel more than just this dimension. Ever since my dad died, I've been looking for ways to connect with him. He died when I was 19, so he hasn't really been in my life since I've had any real understanding of myself. He died at an age where he was still just my dad, and I hadn't been an adult long enough to really connect with him as an equal. You know, when you're an adult, you just start seeing new dimensions of your parents. Well, I never really got that. I can't help but wonder what our relationship would be like now. What would I understand about him that I couldn't understand when I was a teenager? What types of conversations would we have now? What would his relationship be like with my husband? They're actually kind of alike, and I think they'd have a blast with each other. What would it be like to watch him with my son? I actually feel like I have connected with my dad before, before I was even trying. 
right after he died, I'd have these dreams about him and he'd tell me that he was okay or he'd tell me things that I didn't know before. I actually had a dream about him the night that he died before I even knew he died where he told me he was happy and okay. But it had been a while since I'd felt that connection with him, over a decade. And a couple years ago, I read a book called Signs by Laura Lynn Jackson, and it's all about ways to look for signs from the spirit world. It's mostly a collection of stories from other people, but I felt inspired. And one of the things that she talks about is creating these little signs while your loved ones are still here so that they'll be easier to find when they're gone. Well, when I read this, I felt so discouraged because my dad was already gone and we definitely did not do that. But the longer that I sat with that thought, the more memories came back to me. Plus, if he was really here with me all these years, he would know the things that reminded me of him, like eagles. My dad loved eagles. Also, I created his funeral soundtrack and two songs always brought me right back to that day. The first one is Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Israel Kamakavivole. Tough name, great song. And the other one is Let It Be by The Beatles. I know, could a funeral soundtrack be more basic? But (laughs) those two songs have always been two of my favorites. So I'm reading this book while sitting in our hammock on the beach of Santa Monica, literally telling my husband about the signs that I'm going to start looking for. And suddenly I hear the live band on the boardwalk start playing Let It Be. This might not sound that crazy, but this band was a family band with like five kids. And this same band played the same songs every single Saturday. And this was not usually one of them. They were usually all classic rock. And of course, I immediately teared up. Well, we ended up going on a whole adventure that day. And I told my husband that I just want to see some sort of eagle. That will show me that my dad is around. So I had my eyes peeled all day until we got to our Airbnb. And I sat on the bed and I said, oh man, I never saw my eagle today. I guess I'll just have to give it more time. And my husband just looks at me with these wide eyes and he says, look behind you. And there was this giant, I mean giant wooden eagle on a table in front of a bookshelf. And even weirder, right behind it, right behind it was a book titled My Father. (laughs) Well, ever since then, I just assumed that he's around. So I'll talk to him, sometimes out loud, sometimes in my head. And maybe it's just my belief or maybe his energy is always just connected to me. But I feel it, you know? I think a big part of connecting to the afterlife or the spirit world is our intention. We will find evidence for our own beliefs. But is there a way to get even better at it? According to a lot of guests of the show, yes. We all have this ability to connect with our source, to remember who we truly are and where we came from. We just often spend our lives creating evidence for the opposite beliefs, that this is it and loss is loss. So today we're thinning the veil and our guest is Suzanne Giesman. She's known as the messenger of hope. She's a mystic metaphysical teacher and medium, and she helps people understand who you are and why you're here. Whether it's in her books, her classes, or her workshops, or her weekly radio show, or her one-on-one sessions, Suzanne provides stunning evidence of life after death. And what's really interesting is she is a former U.S. Navy commander turned medium, and her gift of communication with those on the other side has been recognized as highly credible by noted afterlife researchers. So three key things we will learn are how to deepen your connection with the spiritual world, the difference between evidence and messages in mediumship, and what we should expect in the afterlife. And now let's welcome Suzanne Giesman to the show. 
Hey, well, thank you, Melissa. Great to be here. So what's your story? How did you go from the military to medium? Well, unfortunately, many people who start on the spiritual path, like I did, had no intention of doing so, but the universe had different ideas. And it was the very tragic and unexpected death of my stepdaughter, Susan, that led me seeking answers that I'd tried to ignore beforehand, like, is there an afterlife? But once Susan was killed and she was struck and killed by lightning, I couldn't ignore the questions anymore. I needed to know, is there an afterlife? And so I took my husband to a medium and somebody that I knew was the real deal and would not uh, trick us or anything else. I was a bit skeptical when I went. I didn't want to be fooled in our vulnerability. And that woman absolutely rocked my world, changed my life, and set me on a path that I had no idea was coming. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that path like? For me, it's... Uh... It's my deepest desire to connect more deeply with my spirit guides. And I feel like for me, I spent so many years kind of cutting off that connection. I was raised in a religion that kind of taught, you know, that's blasphemy. You can't even go there without it being against the religion. And then later on, I had an eating disorder. So I was just cutting off my connection with my body and my own signals. And so in my healing process, though, it's I'm so inspired and just in awe of the people that have this deep connection. So I've been working towards my meditation practice and all that to deepen the connection. So I'm curious what that process was like for you. Well, you're on the right track with the meditation because that's what opened up the natural intuitive abilities that we all have. As I tell everybody in my classes, you can connect to the spirit world even if you never have because we are first and foremost souls expressions of one consciousness, one field of consciousness, and meditation or any practice that allows you to clear out the clutter in your mind and to have focused intention on one thing with a peaceful state will help you connect with your guides. So for me, it was daily meditation after Susan passed, sitting quietly with the intention of connecting with her, that was my intention. I just needed so badly to know that she was still around and we could connect with her. And in doing that, that opened me up to adventures in consciousness far beyond anything I ever dreamed of. And now I connect with spirit guides regularly. I don't even want to say daily throughout the day and with other people's loved ones who have passed daily. So who would have known? <laughs> what does that connection feel like? How do they speak to you? This is going to be different for everyone. For me, it's a mixture of the many ways spirit can communicate with us. So it is the experience of knowing what they're sharing with us. You just like you just know that's what they're saying. That's called clear cognizance. Then it's hearing thoughts that arise in your head that you know aren't your own. That's called clear audience. Seeing images in your mind's eye. That's clairvoyance feeling things in your own body, clairsentience. So a mixture of all of those. Uh, I'm very clairaudient, so I would say probably the most prominent one for me is just hearing. Yeah. One of the things that you talk about is evidential medianship. What is that? That to me is the most important 
part of mediumship, getting evidence from those I'm connecting with that I couldn't possibly know. And that would be basically the things that you would write in someone's biography. You know, where are they from? What did they do? How did they die? What were their favorite things? Who did they grow up with? Who's in their family? But I ask those in the spirit world to give me evidence that you couldn't find in a book or online. Tell me things that are specific to you, like the kid that came through and said, you know, he showed me, he didn't say this one, showed me a toothpick hanging out of his mouth. And I just knew, that's the knowing part, that that was something he always did. And I passed that on to his mom and she said, that's it. That's when I knew you had my son because he always had that toothpick hanging out of his mouth. That's evidence. And the evidence is what changes people's lives, changes their whole belief system, because you can't help but then say, how did that medium know that? Because it was your loved one who is still here. I would love to have some of that. It's so interesting. Maybe it's because I was raised in a different way, but it's like my whole being believes so much of this. But there's this little ego part of myself that's always kind of pecking a little bit of doubt in in everything. And it is probably always going to be there. That's the human programming. The soul is the part of you that I can feel it in you. It's just bursting to get through all of that old programming, the conditioning. I don't, don't like the word programming. I mean, because it sounds like brainwashing, which in a way we all are as human beings, because people tell us things from the day we're born. You are this and you are that. And this is how you behave. And don't do this and do that when the soul just is. So when we can get past the conditioning to the point where all of us are simply being just our true nature as consciousness, awareness, experiencing life as it unfolds, then it's much more wondrous. So what would be the biggest difference between how you were before, before you kind of unlocked this state of being to how you live your life now? Biggest difference, because there are many, is a state of peace that's ongoing. And if I get knocked off balance by any human stuff going on, I can drop right back into that state of peace. It's having learned the flexibility to, by choice, maintain my human point of view, that pesky little ego stuff you were talking about, or not. I mean, the ego is not necessarily always bad. Or by choice, rising above that, taking the soul's more expanded point of view and just knowing everything's in perfect order. That is just awesome. If I had known that decades ago, I wouldn't have suffered so much. But you can see the the brilliance in this human path that we live our life fully as humans. And then you get to a certain point where you say, okay, been there, done that. Now let me see what else there is to life. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, 
Women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are pre-menopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and Estro Control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in L.A. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? (laughs) They have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Aloe Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Why would you say, or what would you say is the difference between, there's so many of us that are seeking this path, that are starting to uncover this truth of who we really are. And then there's plenty of people who will go through their whole life without even trying, without even tapping that surface. What is the difference between these two paths? I would say a bit humorously, you know, how's that working for you, for the ones who aren't seeking? Because there are so many people that may look on the outside that everything's wonderful. Oh, they have money. They have a great car. They appear to have this great relationship. Yet there's so much discontent beneath the surface. We, you know, we're wonderful actors and actresses. We don't want everybody to know that even though it appears our lives are wonderful, that underneath it, we're restless. We're unhappy. There's always something missing. And the spiritual path helps you find contentment and stops. You know, you said you're seeking when you finally realize that what we're seeking is actually just this state of being, then even the seeking ends and it's so close. We don't realize it's always been here all along. That's the bit of disappointment when you're first on the spiritual path and you say, wait a minute, you mean it's just this, this piece? And I say, 
Yeah, and if you can just drop into this place all the time and no contentment, that is what everybody's missing. But the fringe benefit is from this place of pure peace and being, you can connect with loved ones who have passed and spirit guides and get great insights. So it's just a win-win all around. So for the souls or the paths that aren't taking the spiritual path, I've heard different things from different people. Like you come back and you do it again until you start to find that. Do you have any insight from your guides about that? I didn't answer that part of your last question. Definitely, I have faith that there is reincarnation. I didn't used to believe in it, but after my guides have talked about it so often, after evidence and readings has shown that we do come back, there is a connection between traumas and events in lives that we've had before and this one that we're living now. I do know that our souls are evolving. They like to have the fullness of experience through various lifetimes. So you do have a concept of young souls and old souls and children behave in a certain way, teenagers behave in a certain way and adults behave in a certain way. And it is kind of analogous to what souls are like as well. And the old soul loves everyone and, and knows peace. A young soul is one that you read about in the headlines They hurt others. They don't understand what they're doing. You know, you don't judge children for acting like children. So this concept of understanding that we're all at different places on our own path does give us a new way of seeing why people do and having compassion for others. One misconception I think I had that you cleared up for me in in listening to what you teach about is I assumed, you know, if somebody is channeling something from the other side, they must just have this all-encompassing knowledge of, like, what's going on. And one thing that I had heard you say was that whether we're living this life or we're on the other side, we're all evolving in different ways. And, And just because you're connecting to somebody on the other side doesn't mean that all of a sudden they've passed through and they can see the world as it is and know exactly what's going on. Can you go deeper into that? Oh, yes. It's just that we have a higher perspective once we get to the other side. But absolutely, even the higher realms don't have the full picture. Only when we can fully learn to merge back into the entire field of consciousness do we know all that is. And while we're in this physical body, we're certainly limited by the vibration the dense body, people who've had near-death experiences talk about coming back in the body and feeling like they're squeezing back into a sausage and it's restricting their awareness of all that is. But even our guides don't have the full picture. It's, It's just an ongoing evolution of what is taking what is possible and manifesting it into the manifest. So there are many things that will remain unknown to us until we pass and even after we pass. If anybody tells you they have all the answers, they they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, after we pass, we can expect that depending on our own soul's evolution is going to dictate really where we end up after that. And some people, maybe that after they evolve more, they are able to merge into the oneness of consciousness? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, when you ask that question um, previous to this one, about instantly knowing more. I have a dear friend named Brenda who passed three years ago, 
And the very day she passed and the next day she came through and I was channeling her with her mannerisms and her voice absolutely as if she hadn't passed in my ear with incredible evidence. It blew me away. To this day, she visits with me. And she's told all of us that it's because she did all her spiritual work while she was here. For most of her life, she loathed herself. Her her father shamed her for her homosexuality, for her body size. So she hated herself. But then through the spiritual path, she had this huge breakthrough and came to love herself and love everyone. And she did all that work here. And so the moment she passed, she's just visiting all of her friends here. And we all felt her. It was amazing. And she's one of my main mediumship guides today, which completely blows me away that that has happened. Yeah. Do you have clarity how that works when you have had multiple lives? So she's coming and connecting to the people in this her most recent life, but there's a strong chance she had lived lives before that. Do you believe that they are able to connect? Well, I guess a lot of those people would be gone. <laughs> they have to be sort of connected to that ego part of themselves when they were here, but at the same time that dissolves. How does that work? Okay. I have a lot of videos on YouTube and then my number one question is, what if my loved ones reincarnate before I pass? Am I going to see them again? And your question speaks to that. And it's indicative of the human's viewpoint of all, all or nothing. I'm this in this lifetime, then I'm that in another lifetime. When really you are this soul that's so much more expensive than one lifetime. It's like a deck of cards. And this lifetime is one hand from that deck of cards to work on these personality issues and traits and characteristics. And when you pass, all of that merges back into the greater soul, to the mix, to the wholeness. So all of those other lives are still part of that soul. They're there present, but they're like the cards are all mixed up. But if you need to access that lifetime, it just comes together again. That's what a medium is accessing even if that soul is now reincarnated for another unique experience. So is that kind of like the collective consciousness you talk about? I know a lot of the channelers that I follow, they speak to a group of spirit. And your daily email is channeling Sanaya, which is a collective consciousness. Paul Selig, which is another one of my favorite mediums, he channels who he calls the guides. And a lot of them seem to be some sort of group. So is that what you're referring to? No. <laughs> yeah, Brent, for example, well, you have a greater soul that has had many lives. And I could probably access those if that were my specialty, but I don't. I could access your, you know, your grandmother's soul. And even if your grandmother's soul had decided to have another lifetime and had reincarnated, I could still access your grandmother because she's part of that soul. That's what I'm talking about. Got you. Guides are different souls. And it's interesting. I wanted Another point I wanted to make when you were talking about the different levels is I was teaching a class the other day. People were asking questions and Brenda said, I need to take a back seat for these answers. They're, too, they're above my pay grade. And my guide, Sanaya, stepped in to answer the question. So she was even indicating that she has still a limited viewpoint compared to the higher levels. I guess that would make sense in the fact that, you know, a lot of us are trying to reach 
our own higher self, this own higher perspective of ourself. And if I can sit there and meditate to access that part of my higher consciousness and I'm still living here, then it does make sense that if I pass and I reincarnate, there'd still be something to access for the people that were left here. Yes, you got it. We hear a lot in this spirituality about our own vibration and our own resonance. What role does that play in this whole process? Critical, critical, critical. And so what does our vibration mean? It means are you aligned with the true essence of who you are? We arise from pure awareness. This is the field, the Akashic field, source, God, whatever you want to call it. It's Our true essence is just this state of being. That is a state of total connection. And the definition of love is lack of separation. Okay, So we are love at our very essence. There's no separation there. So the more you can align with this state of pure love, the easier it is to access any other being who arises from that. So any of the masters who have taught about loving kindness, compassion, love, all of those characteristics, the more you can embody them, the more you raise your quality of consciousness, which is synonymous with vibration. So for my students of mediumship and connecting with guides, the greatest advice is, meditate because that helps you clear out anything in you that is not an expression of this higher vibration. It naturally evolves. It naturally comes out because as you sit in the silence, suddenly things come into your awareness that are out of resonance. That's a great word you used with the highest vibration there is, which is love. And if you're willing to take a look and say, where's that coming from? That doesn't feel good anymore because I know what it feels like to be pure love. And then if you ask your guides, they'll show you where that came from. And then if you ask for help in clearing it out, they'll help you. And each bit of, we'll call it darkness in you, place where the light isn't flowing in you, that you can clear out by bringing light into it, you become a more perfect instrument for the light to express itself through. And this is why the, the journey is so beautiful. It, the connection across the veil just keeps getting better when you're willing to work on yourself. And the fringe benefit is you keep getting more peaceful and loving. So you said before that, you know, the ego is not always necessarily a bad thing and the ego gets a bad rap. It seems like we're always just trying to shed the ego. And but we are really trying to remember who we truly are underneath the stories that we tell and underneath the story that we lived. So how do you balance that? What is your relationship to ego? What's the benefit of ego in when we're on a spiritual path? Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, 
living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock the special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. How do you balance that? What is your relationship to ego? What's the benefit of ego in when we're on a spiritual path? Ego is the operations manager. It's the personal aspect of you as a light being. It's your story. You have to have a story while you're here or you would just dissolve into being the light. So why come here if you're not going to enact a story? So the ego keeps the story on track, but once it gets caught up in the story, it being you thinking you are separate from pure awareness, it can get carried away. So once you recognize what's going on here, I am source in expression. I am awareness in a body. Then ego has to take a back seat. You don't let it run the show anymore, but you realize that I'm still going to tell a story, but I'm going to do it from a different place, a place of awareness now that I'm going to be kind to people and I'm going to make an effort to live as a soul and not as a separate human being who hurts other human beings. It's, it's just a matter of awareness. 
So when you are doing a reading, especially in the beginning of that journey, have you ever had to deal with your own ego or does ego ever come to play when you're trying to connect? And what's that like? It still does, but so much less. And it's the greatest impediment in mediumship. And so how it shows up is the need or desire to be right, to please others, the fear of being wrong, the fear of looking like a fool, the doubts about what if I don't get anything, uh, irritation with a sitter who doesn't go along with what you think they should be doing. It's this all these human things. I could, I'm thinking bad and how I could feel myself flare up at certain things at myself. And that just will cut off the connection faster than anything. So that's another reason why mediumship is a great path for working on yourself. Because if you want to get really good as a medium, you need to get the ego out of the way. I want to say under control, but you don't control it. You surrender it. You surrender that need to be human. Which is helpful even in our regular life. I mean, I can, the more I grow, the more I have these moments where it's very clear. Like I, it's like I have the multiple awarenesses and I'm like, I can feel you wanting to be right. Just let it go. Sink into the present moment. So is that basically the same process as when you're in the mediumship? It is. And when you say it helps in your own life, you're right. Because if we really look at what happens in a mediumship reading, it's not the human doing the reading. It's the soul. We have to get the human side, the ego out of the way. So it is, as I teach, soul to soul communication. So take this into your life. You're having a disagreement with a partner, somebody you live with. If you're conflicting with each other, that's ego to ego. What happens if you say, wait a minute, I'm a soul. You've taken ego out of the way. The other person suddenly has nothing to push back against and you watch it dissolve. And what does it mean to give them nothing to put back, push back against? With your ego out of the way, it's okay for them to be right. It doesn't matter. You just love them to pieces from the soul level and you laugh at the whole drama that was just taking place and the whole argument dissolves. So yeah, anytime we can surrender ego and get it out of the way and go back to our true nature, we just love each other. Wow, if only everybody could remember that. So for you, when you are in a reading, what is a test of a good reading? Uh, Are there some that are just more clear than others and what differentiates that? Oh my gosh, it's so easy, Melissa. And I say it from that very first reading when a medium changed our lives. And I can see it from people who don't have good readings with others who weren't trained the evidential way. The test of a good reading is you, the sitter, the receiver of the reading, leave that reading and say, that was my loved one. You know it. That's the test. And there's just so many times, even I've had readings with mediums who were not trained well, and you leave and you say, well, they may have gotten a few things, but that could match anyone. And I don't really feel they had my loved one. That didn't sound like my loved one. So what is it that gets you to that point where you say, that was my loved one? You, the medium captures the essence of your loved one, their personality, their character traits, and what I call the differentiators. Those are those gold nugget pieces of evidence that really make their loved ones stand out from all others. Like a reading I did this week where I said, your dad's playing the accordion. I don't know anybody that plays the accordion. 
but just that one thing wouldn't have done it. It was capturing dad's personality and the messages he had to say to his loved one that feel in their mind, that was exactly what he would have said to me. So now that you are open to these types of connections, is this something that you have control over or is it every now and then you're sort of tapped on the shoulder by spirit or you're talking to somebody and you're like, all of a sudden, I think I see your uncle. (laughs) It is the latter, but not so often because I have boundaries and my guides help me in that regard. They know that I'm the kind of person that I want to help everybody and I would be on all the time. Anytime I'm interacting with someone, I would be saying, oh yeah, here's your mother and here's your father and I wouldn't have a real life. Most people, when they hear you're a medium, the first thing they want is to hear from their loved ones. So I am turned off unless I'm doing a reading or a channeling session. And very rarely a spirit will drop in on me. That's by agreement with the guides. It gives me a chance to live my life fully as a human because that really is why we're here. So when we're talking about maybe wanting to awaken some of these gifts for ourselves and we're talking about that finding that resonance or uh, learning to declutter our minds, release the story. You said that it's not always just about meditation. There's other things that we can do uh, during our day-to-day moments so that we're not just, you know, holed up in a corner with our eyes closed for half our life. What are some of these other ways that we can connect to this in our day-to-day to start opening ourselves up to this more? Yeah, and that's key. I really only spend about 20 minutes a day meditating, but every day, that regular practice so I don't get sucked back into the human drama. But it becomes a moment by moment practice of being present, like you said. Uh, It's setting the intention to be aware of your thoughts and your experiences, your feelings, and noticing what is going on within you and around you. So it's really turning up the awareness. Ooh, I just snapped at my husband. My soul wouldn't do that. What caused that? Or, oh, I just got a little dizzy. Was that a spirit who just stepped in? Or, oh, I just heard that thought, but there was no reason for me to think that. Who said that? It's a constant awareness of the thoughts and the feelings. Anything that is not resonant with love, I notice that and change it immediately. I'm driven to increase my clarity. So I am constantly saying, oh, that'll help my readings or, oh, that's what makes a difference when I connect with spirit. So it's really a commitment to your soul's growth. I had a someone guide me through a past life regression once. And when I was going through it, it was really hard for me to tell. Like, it was like I was experiencing it. Like, is this just my imagination or is this real? And the one thing that kind of triggered me where I'm like, maybe this is real was I was telling the story of like these visions that sort of came to my head that I was fully doubting the whole time. I'll be honest. And then all of a sudden we got to this part where there was an explosion and I started crying and I was like, why do I have emotions around that? And so for me, I was like, maybe that wasn't just my imagination. I've heard that through a lot of people that have been guided through some experience where they come out of it and they're like, maybe it was real, but maybe it was my imagination. How can you tell? Again, past life regressions are not my area of expertise. I've had the exact same experience saying I'm making this whole thing up. So what you do in any visit or any interaction with the spirit guide, any past life regression is look for the evidence, things you couldn't know. There's one past life I've had that my guide told me about. It wasn't in a regression. And 
my guide gave me all kinds of historical data about that life. I looked it up and it was stunningly accurate. So I trust that. Others, I don't. But here's the thing. Why did you cry? And you know why you did. Because the incident of the explosion could be a metaphor for something in your life now that's been carried over. Does The whole story could be a metaphor. That's what stories are. They lead us to growth through the message they have to carry. So you look for the kernels of truth and the parts that resonate with your soul now. What's the point of looking at a past life unless it helps you now? So what does it trigger in this lifetime that gives you insights for things that you can heal and grow from? So I'm interested in your relationship with Hemisync, because this is how I found you for listeners out there, had heard about how the government basically released these sealed documents uh, called the Gateway Process. And it was actually bringing evidence to a lot of spiritual teachings. And I got really interested in it, but then they wiped it off from their website. And so now you've got to find it through somebody else. But one of the things that it talked about was actually... Um, Hemisync and the Monroe Institute and the evidence that they found for what they were uh, basically balancing the right and left brain. And so I know that you teach about the difference between the left and the right brain and mediumship. What roles do they play? Because it almost seems like we're almost trying to get out of the brain, but <laughs> we can't really do that in this life. <laughs> brain is a filter for consciousness. It's brilliant. It's, it allows us to operate in this reality but it definitely filters out experiences. Left brain is very logical and analytical, likes numbers and words and categorizing things. Right brain is more of a flowing state, an imaginative, creative state. So one of the reasons that I was unaware of my ability to connect across the veil is because my whole life I was using left brain processes. It's why I was chosen the aide to the head of the U.S. military. I was so good at organizing and detailed work. But through meditation, I've given more focus to the flowing state, the creative state of the right brain. And now I've found that balance. We don't want to completely shut off the left side. So allowing the two hemispheres to work together, you can still be very much in your human mode and communicating with words, yet receiving knowing information through the right brain. So Hemisync allows you by listening to music through headphones with audible tones at a different frequency in each ear. And those difference in the frequency causes the two hemispheres to create one synchronous tone. And it's like training wheels for meditation, you've probably found you just drop into a deeper, more expanded state much more easily with the tones. And you don't need them forever. That's why I say they're training tones, yet training wheels. Yet I still listen to the recordings of, um, myself every once in a while just because it's very peaceful and enjoyable. I have uh, five Hemisync CDs now with another one coming out in a couple of months. Good stuff. I love them. I got really into binaural beats because I can just feel the difference. Like when I was having a hard time even creating a meditation practice a couple of years ago, I found that when I tried binaural beats for the first time, suddenly sitting for 15, 20 minutes turned from being sort of a nightmare for me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, my thoughts were so loud. I was like just counting down the moments. And then all of a sudden it was like, 
a brain bath or something. Like I could yeah. just feel my energy shifting. And when I found Hemisync, it's interesting. They did one test in one of the, one of the gateway process, that collection of music or, or guide, guidance, I guess you could call it. They played one tone and they kind of lead you into it to show you what's happening. And they'll play one tone and it's just a steady tone. And then they played another tone that's slightly different. That's a steady tone. And then they showed when you put them together, you'd automatically hear a wave, even though it wasn't a wave. And so it's just so interesting how music can shift that part of ourselves to kind of allow us to tap into something deeper. Yeah, it's it's a gift when you find those things. But again, they are tools and we don't need any tools. We just need to learn to access what's already part of our true nature. So when we are accessing that part of our true nature, how would you explain that to somebody who has never felt that before or who has never Uh, known anything deeper than the story? That is a great question. And the answer, I'm so grateful to my guides for the answer. You can't explain it. You have to experience it yourself. And that's why I have some guided meditations on my website that are free on the gifts page. One of them, the journey of consciousness. And it's just this beautiful meditation that guides you through letting go of the whole story bit by bit until there's nothing left but just being. And then you say, you sit there for a few minutes and you say, oh, that's it? Yeah, just live without your story, but you have to experience it. We experience it every moment. That moment when you first wake and the moment between thoughts, but that's why I say it's closer than your breath. Now just hold that for longer moments and then just know that it's right here and know that that's the source from which all guidance arises. That's the sea of consciousness from which your guides put information into your head. It's this close. It's why my guide Brenda, when she came back the day after she died and said, Suzanne, there's only here. I didn't go anywhere. There's only here because it's all consciousness. The there is out here in the physical world. And all of that arises from this right here. Awareness. That's getting a little deep. (laughs) No, I love the deepness. Well, what about the people who have more doubt than others? Does the belief play a role in our ability to connect? Because I've also heard stories of people who didn't believe in this ability and something in their soul cracked open and suddenly they were able to connect with the other side. Belief is huge. It's one of the top keys to connecting. By grace, we have those moments where something happens and we have to believe. But once you start getting into more intentional connections, it's really important to study your beliefs as you go. Where are you limiting yourself? I used to think it wasn't possible for me to channel, and now I channel all the time. If you don't think something's possible, you won't try. Once you believe it's possible, if you're not aware of where you're blocking yourself, you won't go any further. I did a reading yesterday for someone, and I got little pieces of how they love one in spirit. But when I heard what really happened, it was so tragic. I thought, well, no wonder they only gave me bits and pieces. I couldn't believe that anybody could die that way. You see? So it blocked it. That's how the brain is a filter. The last question I want to ask is about inspired or channeled writing. Because I know uh, some people have used that as the gateway to connection. Some people, that comes afterwards. Is that something that we can start practicing now if we're trying to open up these gifts? 
I absolutely uh, recommend inspired writing. It's how I get my daily messages that I publish at dailyway.org. Tell, gosh, thousands and thousands of them for over 10 years now. And that comes by sitting with the intention of connecting with higher consciousness, which uh, I show a method how to do that on my website, on that gifts page. And then you ask some spirit guide or higher consciousness to merge with you and you ask them questions, you interact. But if you write down your question and you write what you hear, even if you're in an expanded state, you can learn to write and maintain that expanded state. By writing, you hold that connection much longer without your mind drifting. So it's an excellent practice for maintaining expanded awareness yet focused at the same time. I guess I do have one more question. That wasn't my last one. How do you use these gifts and and your connection with spirit or your guides in your own life as in driving your career and spreading the message of what you do? And do you ask for guidance in that way? And and how do you receive it? Always, always. I ask for guidance for almost everything. And in the Navy, I was very goal-oriented. After the Navy, for a few years, I facilitated strategic planning sessions for companies and their CEOs. So that was all about having goals and plans and visions. But I've come to the point where I know that spirit guides us so beautifully that I no longer plan I just say, what's next? And they teach me and guide me so perfectly. Now, that doesn't really work well for people in the business world most of the time, but it's just a level of trust that things unfold so beautifully if you ask and check in each step of the way. So the biggest indicator, if you're listening or not, is are you hitting a wall with what you're going after? If things aren't flowing, that's the universe's way of saying you are not listening. So if things aren't going the way you think they're supposed to go, that's because you are thinking one way. So you just surrender your ideas and say, okay, I can see this isn't working. Guide me. Show me what's next. Use me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for everything that you've opened up for us today and, and for, you know, taking your gifts and, and spreading more wisdom to all of us who are curious about it. So for listeners who are interested in working with you or learning more about what you do, where's the best place for them to connect? My website is my name, SuzanneGiesman.com. And just check it out because we have a frequently asked questions page there that is an absolute treasure trove from my guides over the years. The gifts page, all kinds of freebies there, dozens and dozens of Uh, videos on YouTube. I have books and the CDs. So can't sleep in the middle of the night. It's a good place to land. (laughs) All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 182. So your challenge for this week is to start looking for signs. Figure out how you want to set the intention for making a connection and maybe who you want it to be with. I've had quite a few mediums and channelers on this show, and the first step that they always say when we want to deepen this ability within ourselves is getting quiet. Meditation, asking yourself questions, asking that inner voice what she or he truly knows. So start with the quiet, set the intention, and then take the action. You can start like I did, as simple as figuring out which signs you want to see and just keeping your eyes peeled. It might not happen that day. Sometimes it happens within a few weeks. And it's often when we're letting go of the stress that we're putting on ourselves to force ourselves to see it. 
That's really the case with so much. Once we let go, that's when we are able to receive. And so you might be thinking, well, then isn't the chance of seeing that thing pretty high if we just give it endless time? Possibly, but maybe test it with something a little bit more rare. There's a test that I hear people do based on the law of attraction. And so many people have set the intention to see a blue feather. And within a few hours to a few weeks, most people say that it actually works. And how often or when was the last time that you've seen a blue feather? So try to find something between you and this person you're trying to connect with that maybe only you two would know or that you don't see everywhere so that you can prove to yourself that this might be real. The deeper your belief that you hold around it, the more likely you are to be able to connect. And sometimes that belief needs to be cultivated with a little bit of evidence. And let me know how it goes or share your stories on Instagram. Connect with me at mindlovemelissa. If you know someone that this episode would be really helpful for, please share the episode by tapping the little share button, or you can take a screenshot and share it on Instagram and tag mindlovemelissa and Suzanne Giesman. If this episode has been helpful for you or has touched you in any way, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And I might just read your review on an upcoming episode, but really reading your reviews make my day so much. And sometimes when I'm down or I'm feeling a little discombobulated, I just go back and read the reviews. So thank you, especially for all of those who have already left one. And those are the freest ways to support this show. Other amazing ways to support the show is to sign up for Mind Love Premium at mindlove.com slash premium. You get extra episodes and monthly meditations and other bonuses. You can also support one of my amazing sponsors. All of my sponsors are products or services that I really, really love. I say no to a lot of sponsors that request to be on the show. So the ones that make it through are products that I absolutely adore. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.